There is such a thing called conscious consciousness. In terms of consciousness. In terms of consciousness. What consciousness is. You're listening to Explain the Brain from the Mind Science Foundation. Rob sometimes has trouble hearing. If I'm at a dinner party and people are talking and laughing and there's clanging of dishes and silverware and, and everyone's having a great time, that becomes a din to me. So much so that I have a difficulty hearing the person who's right next to me. We've figured out some workarounds. I'll lean in closer. Sometimes I'll cup my ear. But really the way I try to solve it is I start to read the lips. Their stuff. And she wrote a poem, of course, about the library that's hanging up on the wall. So comes across more clearly. Helps me to see through the smudgy words. I feel like it's helping me to hear better. Which is kind of incredible when you think about it. He's getting information through his eyes, watching the lips. But this information from his eyes ends up helping his sense of hearing. The brain cares about streams of information, and it doesn't really care how it gets that information. That's David Eagleman. He's a neuroscientist at Baylor College of Medicine. I've always been fascinated by the fact that the brain is locked up in in darkness and has to figure out the world from inside there. Kind of terrifying. But he's right. The brain doesn't see, it doesn't hear, it doesn't touch, smell, taste. The brain gets electrical signals from your eyes, from your ears, all your other sensory organs. Just coded information about the outside world. So you can take a channel that it's used to, like vision through the eyes, and just plug that channel in somewhere else. And it'll just figure it out because the brain is remarkably flexible in this way. He calls this sensory substitution, like using your eyes to help your hearing. The idea of sensory substitution is very new to a lot of people, including within the field of neuroscience. But the first demonstration of it was actually in 1969. It was a long time ago. There was this guy, this neuroscientist named Paul Bakirita. Paul Bakirita put blind people in a dental chair that he had outfitted with a number of little cylinders in the back that essentially poked you in the back. He'd take a video feed. The chair would convert the images in the video into a pattern of pokes on a person's back. And with time, blind people could tell you what was on the video, like a triangle or a circle, or even a face with a smiling mouth. And brain scans showed that while they did this, while the blind people saw shapes with the skin on their back, their brains showed activity in the visual cortex. That's the seeing area of the brain. So what happens when you do a sensory substitution device is that what used to be the visual cortex starts giving up some of its territory towards this new way of getting the information and seeing. If this sounds surprising, just remember that there's nothing special about the eyeballs. They're also just ways of converting information into electrical signals that the brain uses. Turns out your brain really doesn't care if you get visual information from the eyeballs or from the skin. It's just like using a different USB port in your computer. Information in is information in. Doesn't matter where it comes from. Eagleman now has his own sensory substitution device in the works. The main experiment we're doing right now is we're going to try to cure deafness for people who care to have hearing. And so we're building a vest. They've got this athletic vest, like a triathlete might wear. And they put all these tiny little vibrating motors on the back, about two dozen of them. They link the vest up to a cell phone app that's recording all the surrounding sound. The app converts the sound to activate different motors on the vest. And so what you feel is patterns of vibration that correspond to the sounds around you. So if I say to you, the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog and you're wearing the vest, you'll feel a moving pattern of vibration on your torso. And at first you won't have any idea of what those patterns of vibration mean. But 
our hypothesis is that after about two weeks, the brain should be able to figure this out. He thinks the brain will start to just automatically associate different patterns of vibration with different sounds. And so far, that's what's happening. Right now, he's just experimenting with fully hearing people. Eagleman's team presents him with a set of words through vibrations on the best, over and over again. And once they get good at guessing all the words in that set, he gives the test subjects an entirely new set of words. So now it's totally novel words that they're feeling on the vest, and they are better at it. They're, they're guessing above chance right from the beginning, and then they more quickly climb up to a good performance. And so this is just our way of being able to demonstrate that this is a learnable language, so to speak, and the language is on your torso. Eagleman still has to try the vest on hearing-impaired people, but he's excited about it. He thinks it could offer a way cheaper alternative to cochlear implants. The idea is that the vest can be produced for less than $1,000, and there's no surgery. Eagleman's blurring the distinction between hearing and seeing and feeling. He's saying that's all just electronic signals to the brain. And once we can grasp this, we can use it to our advantage. If we can make sensory substitution devices that render eyes unnecessary for seeing, or if we can make it so ears aren't required for hearing, then deafness and blindness could be a thing of the past. For Explain the Brain, I'm Audrey Quinn. This week, we have a three-way tie for cities with the most listeners on SoundCloud. That's between New York City, Leicester, England, and Antelope, California. If you're like me and never heard of it, Wikipedia tells us it's a census-designated place about 15 miles northeast of downtown Sacramento. I'm sad to say this is actually the last episode of the season for Explain the Brain. We'll be coming back next year, though, so pay attention to the Mind Science Foundation on Twitter. That's at MindScienceFDN. At MindScienceFDN, we'll be putting out updates for when the new episodes will come. Until then, you can binge on our backlog at iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Mm-hmm.